Uh, how good, church? You doing well? Excited to come to church? First Sunday in December. Christmas trees up, Christmas carols, it's all happening. We got morning tea after the service. It's a great day to be alive, would you agree? If you've got your Bibles with you, I'd love if you could turn to Luke chapter 2. Being the first Sunday in December, I thought it would be a great opportunity, a great occasion to look at the Christmas story. And we're really going to hone in and focus in on one particular area of the story. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 15. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Your translation might read a little bit different, but I reckon we will probably end up at the same destination. It says this, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognise him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. Can you imagine it? Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it motivates us. God, that it changes us, that it transforms us, that it encourages us. God, that it confronts us. And I pray this morning through your Holy Spirit, that we would walk out of church with the transformations of our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I believe that there are uh, a few issues amongst um, every marriage that I've sort of, you know, either overseen or walked with. There tends to be one or two issues within a marriage, sometimes maybe even a little bit more, that really they're, they're friction and they're tension points. These issues, these points, they're, they're, uh, they're discussed, they're debated, they're negotiated, but often the two parties, the husband and the wife, are unable to reach a common agreement. For some couples, it's money, uh, and, and for other couples, it might be communication. Uh, for us in my marriage, both Ange and I, we've been married 14 years, it's sleeping habits. I myself am quite a light sleeper, and so it doesn't take much to wake me up. My wife, uh, over the the course of her life, has developed habits where she makes noises and sounds both from the nostrils and the mouth. And this has caused friction within the marriage. And we've tried a, a, a variety of different techniques and solutions, unable to resolve the issue. That was until... Uh, earlier this year where uh, I was preparing to to go to bed and uh, I walked into the bedroom and my wife was, I don't even know really how to say it, but she was applying a sleeping apparatus 
to her face. And in fact, I have brought said apparatus to share with you today, with my wife's permission. Now, in order to get the full effect of what I saw, I'm going to place the apparatus on me. So you can, you can, you can sort of visualise and perceive what I perceived as I walked into this bedroom. Excuse me for just one moment. This is what I saw. The object of this apparatus was to keep the mouth and the nostrils breathing nice and fluently throughout an evening. Now, when I walked in, my words were, what the heck is that? And she said, I bought it off Wish, which is where you buy all good products. Both Catch of the Day and Wish is where you go when you have sleeping problems, people. Don't go to your doctor, don't go to your GP, wish and catch of the day, solve all your problems. She said, I bought it so that both of us could enjoy a good night's sleep. And as I thought about her words and as I lay there that night and it was peaceful, uh, I started to think, you know what, my choice of words may not have been appropriate because this woman, my beautiful bride, has decided, I didn't know whether she was preparing for a game of water polo or preparing for the second coming of Jesus. I mean, it, it, it kind of freaked me out, but she was prepared to sleep in a little bit of discomfort so that we could all get a good night's sleep. And my words didn't exactly match what my heart was saying. I love the portion of Luke chapter 2 that we just read, the seven verses, for two reasons. The first reason is this, the shepherds sound like they're Australians. If you read what they say uh, after the angels and the heavenly hosts leave, listen to it. If you read it with an Aussie accent, maybe you can get on the same page with me. Yeah, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened. Sounds like a quote from the castle. Dad, Dad, let's go see this thing. This thing that has happened, let's go see it. I love it. But the second reason why I love Luke chapter 2 is because sometimes we fail to have the right words, but God hears our hearts before our words. This thing is how the shepherds described the very first, the arrival of the King, the arrival of Jesus, the arrival of the Messiah, and the shepherds say, yeah, let's go see this thing. It's quite possibly one of the worst ways to describe what was happening in Bethlehem. I'm not sure if you've ever met someone who has inaccurately described an event or an occasion. It usually happens when at weddings when you ask either a man or a woman, what was the wedding like? And, and I don't want to be stereotypical, but usually the woman is like, oh, the decorations, the flowers, the bride. I mean, it was the music. It was just sensational. And then you ask the man, yeah, they had spring rolls and dim sims. I mean, that's, that's what you got from the wedding, spring rolls and dim sims. Yeah, they had sauce, they had sauce. Yeah, let's go see this thing in Bethlehem. That's how they describe Christmas. This thing 
was orchestrated and arranged and planned and meticulously prepared long before these shepherds were alive. This thing was a result of thousands of years of prophecies and promises. This thing was set in motion through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph. And the shepherds are like, yeah, let's go see this thing. It's abundantly clear that their inelegant words did not accurately describe what was happening. The enormity of what was unfolding in that little town of Bethlehem. But here's what I love about Luke chapter 2. Although their words may have missed the mark, deep in their hearts, church, they knew they were witnessing something historical. And sometimes our words might miss the mark. We might not know how to fully articulate ourselves to others or to God. But God doesn't hear our words. He hears our hearts. I want to preach a message this morning around this idea of imperfect words. And if you are taking notes this morning, imperfect words when actions are louder than words. When actions are louder than words. I'm not telling you that anything that you don't already know. But the shepherds had three responses after the angel had visited them. Three responses which spoke more about their words, this thing, than what they actually said. Their actions spoke far louder than their words. Before we go there and have a look at their responses, we are 21 days, three weeks if you will, away from Christmas Day. And no doubt many of us, if not all of us, will have plans in place and time-honoured traditions that we have with family and friends to celebrate this amazing season. And what we often associate in this season with these celebrations, is that everything needs to be perfect. Through a variety of influences in our lives, we have this preconceived notion, church, that everything needs to look like a Christmas movie in order for us to celebrate. The food, the music, the company, the gifts, all of it needs to be without flaw or fault in order for us to celebrate. Yet when I read Luke chapter 2, the only thing that would appear to be perfect about this account is in fact Jesus. Everything else appears to be flawed, fragile and faulty. From the teenage bride in Mary, to the barn as a birthing suite, and to the backwater town of Bethlehem, everything about the story in Luke 2, other than Jesus, was imperfect. And what does that say for you and for me in 2022? It's not just for the Christmas season, but for our life, that no matter how imperfect your story is, a perfect Saviour can intersect right where you are at today. It says that the God of the universe, if, it, if the God of the universe can inhabit the messiness of a feed trough, maybe perhaps the God of the universe can inhabit the messiness of your life. If the Son of God enters this earth, not via a throne, not through trumpet, not through red carpet, but amongst the dust and the defecations of livestock, maybe it should say to you that no matter how dirty or damaged you feel, there is always hope in Jesus. A couple of years ago, we were uh, heading to Christmas lunch, and I'm not sure how it works in your family, but usually every member is required to bring something for the feast. And it could be anything from bread rolls, desserts, 
drinks on this particular year, our requirement was to bring two barbecue hot chickens. The only problem was we forgot said barbecue hot chickens. And so we were driving to my sister's place when my wife had the epiphany, where are the chickens? I said, I didn't get the chickens. Did you bring the chickens? She said, I didn't get the chickens. And so we both looked at each other and we said, did someone say KFC? (laughs) The best way to solve a Christmas crisis is chicken nuggets, people. And so we drove to the drive-thru and to our despair, Colonel and the boys had shut it down. There was no chicken nuggets to be had on Christmas Day. And so we drove to Christmas with nothing other than the gifts. We brought the gifts, so like we're not that tight. And we brought the gifts and I was quite worried that, you know what, we didn't bring the food. It's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin the occasion. We've only got a little bit of prawns and hair. But you know what? Sometimes what we think, it needs to be perfect for us to celebrate. Sometimes it's in the imperfections that you can have a great time. It was the best Christmas. And we still laugh about the day that we forgot the barbecue hot chickens and we tried to buy chicken nuggets from KFC for Christmas. God will always use the imperfections of your life and your story for a plan and a purpose. The shepherds cared little for how they looked or sounded, but their hearts were so captivated by what was unfolding. They didn't need to look or sound perfect on the exterior because something far greater was happening on the inside of their hearts. And some of us, particularly around this time, we become so fixated and focused on how our lives are perceived by others from the outside that we actually neglect to curate and cultivate what's more important on the inside. I wonder, church, could we be the people that we can hold fast to this belief and in fact this conviction that just because it's not perfect, God can still have a plan and a purpose. And here's the three responses that we see from the shepherds. Not only do I love the relatability of the the words that the shepherds use, this thing, let's go see this thing. I love their immediate response as the angels departed. As the angels drifted back up into the sky, their immediate response was, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. These unfiltered and unsanitized men guarding their flocks have just come face to face with the heavenly host and their response is, um, do, do you think that was for us? Do you think maybe they made a mistake because we're just shepherds? And, you know, shepherds in that particular day and age, they weren't considered high-class citizens. And so maybe God had the wrong address. Maybe God was meant to visit the kings and the emperors of the day. And maybe God wanted to tell them. And maybe somehow he got his GPS coordinates wrong and he wasn't actually meant to tell us as shepherds. No, their response was, let's go to Bethlehem. This is for us. There's no hesitation or second thoughts of maybe that was, that was designed for someone else. The wonder and awe of God before them had so arrested their hearts that they wasted no time and they searched the village of Bethlehem with a confidence and a diligence until they discovered what was promised. If you're taking notes, write this one down. Doubt will only delay your decision. Luke chapter 2 verse 16, we didn't read it, but it says they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the major. You know what? They could, have, they could have sat in that field and think, maybe, maybe God got it wrong. We're just shepherds. 
And, they began, and maybe they could have doubted what God was actually trying to communicate to them. But they wasted no time, no hesitation. You know, church, how often do we doubt and even delay our movement because we think God has made a mistake? Well, who am I? I, I feel like the shepherd and that God would speak to me. How often do we miss out on God-ordained moments because of our insecurities or indecisiveness? What about my past? Maybe it's shame or guilt or fear from your past that has now caused you to believe that, well, well, well God's finished with me. You know, I, I, in my 20s or in my 30s, that's when God probably could have used me. I hear it all the time sometimes when I talk to older people around churches where, where they say, oh, you know what, it, it's just for the young people now, pastor. No, it's not. God's still speaking. God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. And we shouldn't delay that decision to move into the things of God. If God has called you, friends, step into that. Just like the shepherds. What moments are we letting slip by because we've second-guessed God? That's the first response that we see from the shepherds. There was no delay. There was no hesitation. There was no doubt. You know what? God spoke to me, and so I'm going to move into the things of God. And they found their promise in the Messiah. What's God been speaking to you about in this season that you've put off for far too long, that you've delayed, that you've had doubt about? Is God really speaking to me? Friend, it's called faith. Sometimes you just got to step out. And what's the worst that could happen? No delay was their first response. Here's their second response. The Bible records that after the shepherds discover Mary and Joseph and Jesus, they were compelled to tell everyone what had happened. They were compelled, the Bible says they went and told everyone they knew about what they witnessed, about what they saw and heard. You know what? When you are full of wonder, it overflows in your life. You can't help but have those conversations. But here's my question. We don't see it in the text, and, and so I'm certainly not here advocating that this is scripture. It's merely speculation. But what was the shepherd's mood 12 months later after they had this encounter? What was their mood maybe two years after this incredible moment with the heavenly hosts and the armies of heaven? What was their mood five years later, maybe 10 years later? Were they still full of awe and wonder and inspiration and they were still telling everybody? It was still overflowing from their heart? Had it gone from this thing to this thing? See, when wonder fades, our posture can so easily change from being compelled to tell everyone to being contempt with Christmas. Sometimes we, we read Luke chapter 2 around Christmas time and we read it more like a tax report than the life-altering miracle that it actually was. That God would come from heaven to earth to be peace on earth, to be our joy, to be our hope, to be the saviour of the world and sometimes we can read over that sometimes we sing the carols and we're just singing the carols for the sake of singing carols do we fully appreciate what happened in that town of Bethlehem that night I think sometimes at Christmas our hearts deceive us and we think ah the wonder of Christmas that's just for the kids right that's just for them to get excited I don't get excited about the commercialism of Christmas, but here's what I do get excited, that we have a God in heaven that sent his one and only son to save my heart. That's what I get excited about. 
That's what, she, that's what fools me with wonder and awe. What combats contempt? What combats the casual approach to Christmas and to Christianity is curiosity. Curiosity is the beginning of wonder. Curiosity is the beginning of wonder. And Ange and I, we've, we've attempted and we continue to attempt to apply this principle in our marriage. Where we continually, as, uh, if we feel like things, you know, we just getting a little bit stale, we continue to ask questions of one another. The other day, I found out my wife, when she was growing up, she had a cat named Paul. Why would you name a cat with a human name? She had a mouse called Lisa, named after Lisa Curry Kenny. And so over the years, we've continued to ask questions of one another and and we find out more and more about each other. And just when you think, you know what, I, I know this woman, you're like, you named your cat Paul? When she was in primary school, they were allowed tuck shop once a year on Athletics Carnival Day. And you know what she ordered? A cheese sandwich. You could have anything. You could have a cream bun. You could have a meat pie. You could even have a chocolate milk, sweetheart. And you got a cheese sandwich? I love that woman. Curiosity is the beginning of wonder. Just when you think you've got them figured out, keep asking questions. And the moment that we stop searching and asking questions and seeking to know God, seeking to grow in God, seeking to go in God, I'm convinced, and I've seen it happen far too often, we slide into a casual, convenient, consumer-based Christian life. Because, well, I know the Christmas story. I know, my, I, I know enough in the Bible. I know God. Alani was touching on it during her communion message. Ah, we do communion every week. Curiosity is the beginning of wonder. Come on, let's keep searching. Let's keep seeking. Just when we feel like we know God, there's another level to dig deeper into who God is. My prayer for you is that God, wouldn't, that God would transform your hearts, not by doing something new, I think so often as the church and as Christians, we we become addicted to the new. What's the new thing? God, what's the new thing that you're doing? Sometimes the transformation of heart is where God needs to bring you back to the original thing of when your heart was first filled with wonder, when the shepherds had the amazing encounter with angels. Sometimes God needs to bring you back to that moment for a heart transformation where you can go from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. No delay, full of wonder. These are the first two responses that we see from the shepherds. But their third response, as we finish today, is possibly one of the most profound of all three responses. Again, we didn't read it in the text. But verse 20 says, after they'd been to Bethlehem, had greeted Mary and Joseph and had seen Jesus and they began to tell others. Then the Bible says in verse 20 that the shepherds went back to their flocks. Can you imagine it? You have literally just witnessed the arrival of God on earth. And then you have to go back 
to your Monday morning in the office. You have to go back to the ordinary. The Bible doesn't say that they got promoted and they got different offices and they got... It doesn't say that. It said they went back to their normal everyday life. Same view, same sheep, same work colleagues. Everything was the same except it wasn't. And that's the beauty when we encounter Jesus, when we, our hearts get full of awe and wonder. That's the beauty that we might not have the right words. It is the same, but it's different. This is the last record that we see of these shepherds. We don't read about them ever again in Scripture. There's no other mention. And so who knows how their story ended up, but I think perhaps what maybe what God is trying to show us is that when Heaven deposits something into your heart. Sometimes He'll call you back to the spheres of influence, to the mundane, to the ordinary, to be light in the darkness, to be the shining. Looks the same, it feels the same, but it's not the same. We often think, okay, now that I've had this amazing encounter, now what, God? Now that you've spoken to me, God, now what? And God's saying, just stay on the same path. And in my time, not your time. Come on, stand with me. Imperfect words. Sometimes we fail to articulate what's really going on on the inside. But actions always speak louder than our words ever will. And over the course of this Christmas season and into 2023, I wonder, church, whether we could be the kind of people, civic people, where maybe we don't always have the right words. Maybe we butcher it with what we say, but our hearts before God, that is what He sees and what He hears. Maybe there's something that you've been putting off for a while, just like the shepherds, no delay, no hesitation, God's speaking, time to move. Maybe your hearts are full of wonder and awe, but maybe perhaps they're not. Maybe you've become a little bit casual, a little bit contempt, and you know what, Christianity is just a little bit convenient for me. It's just a consumer-based product. It's just Sunday is just something I do. Walking with God is just, no, it's who I am. And God, take me back to that original place. Or maybe you're here this morning, you're thinking, God, when is it going to be my time? And all God is saying is, let's go back to the flocks. Same, same, but it's different. Same, same, but it's different. Heavenly Father, God, we're grateful that you see our hearts, that you hear our hearts before anything else. And God, I pray during this Christmas season, more than anything, that we would be reminded about the incredible account that we read in Luke chapter 2 that you sent Jesus and the shepherds, the lowest of the low were amongst the first people to witness it. That the Son of God inhabited a feed trough, the messiness of a barn, that He could also inhabit the messiness of our life, that we have an imperfect story but it's been intersected by a perfect Saviour. We might not always get the words right, God, but align our hearts with yours today. 
Fill our hearts with wonder and awe again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Straight after the song, we've got morning tea out in the foyer. So stick around, connect, celebrate. It's a great season. Amen.